Hi, and welcome back to Anachronismo. This is part two of episode 15. This part of the episode deals with the Bolshevik Revolution, as told by Matthew Lewis, or its weirder parts at least, uh, and also the Children's Crusade, as told by me, Max. If you haven't already listened to part one, I really recommend it. Uh, Jackie tells some really cool stories about Chinese piracy, uh, and we have a lot of weird goofs. Plus, we get to know Matt Lewis a bit and uh, know more about his theater company, The Heretical Historians. With all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Uh, And we're on to uh, the main event, if you will. Well, the guest's main event. Uh, I got a look from myself there, and I <laughs> uh, don't want to downplay uh, the rest of it, but I'm very excited to hear about the Bolshevik Revolution that uh, you're going to be telling us about, Matt. Apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jeez, oh, no, I was... no pressure, Max, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep everyone happy. That's all right. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be in the room. <laughs> uh, you're... Mm, you're you're not though. You're I'm, I'm not even away. quite. I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I will I will clarify to begin with by saying that this was one of the big political events of the last hundred years. Some would argue the most influential event of any kind of political decision ever. So I'm going to come at it from a completely ideological-free perspective as best possible, like a good neutral historian, if that's okay. I wish you luck with that. (laughs) I was going to say, my pure concern with this set of events is just the ridiculousness of it, because... Um, so much of a representation that you see from both kind of historical sides is of this million-man uprising, storming of a winter palace, and every single person in Russia was cheering for this. But the actual reality of it is that it was so much smaller. Uh, It was only really a couple of thousand of people in the capital of Russia at the time, uh, which was Petrograd at the time, who were really getting involved with this. And that's the main sort of thing I want to stress, that this is really, this is the true events, this is not the mythology that's come from either side of it. Yeah, I was going to do a report on this in history class, Hmm. like, one of my big, like, year-long projects, and I was like, eh, it's not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) That's exactly it. It was so much more mundane, and that's the the really joyous thing about it. It was so much, um, so much smaller, so much sillier, and so much uh, less political than I think either side has now come to the conclusion of. So, yeah, this is this is the true Russian Revolution, the really bonkers version. <laughs> <laughs> and, and part of the reason that it was so bonkers is because you had all the perfect uh, ingredients for comedy. You had a really divided population. This was both sides of how the other half lived coming together. This was the urban poor and the urban aristocracy fighting each other. And there's something wonderful in any kind of... If you look at any sort of uh, template for a comedy, it's just two people who are different coming together. So mm-hmm. this is a perfect way to explore it. So um, in this in this situation, it'd be the odd couple with uh, the sloppy roommate uh, <laughs> being the Bolsheviks and the neat 
uh, a buttoned up roommate being the um, the oh come on Max you know this come on finish this joke finish this joke Max you can do this being the Sars ah oh, nailed precisely, it precisely precisely this was um, to clarify as well this was um, the point I'm referring to is after the the February revolution so already there had been what was genuinely a populist uprising where. The people of Russia, backed by military, said, we've had enough of this, we're going to take our guns, and we're going to say, Tsar, get out, we've had enough of you, let's try and do something different. And then, about nine months later, the people were going, hang on, but nothing's really changed. We're still at war, we still don't have any food, we still don't have any land, and we still don't have any vodka. Which gets me on to my first major point of why this was so ridiculous. The... The state at the time controlled the production of vodka, and both the Tsar and the new leader of the government, uh, Alexander Kerensky, decided that to help the war effort that was already deeply unpopular, they should ban alcohol from being given to the populace, apart from the soldiers. And if you've ever tried to take away alcohol from Russians, you know how bad an idea that is. It's really... Yeah. Yet they ran forward with it. <laughs> I like that only the soldiers were drunk. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess you need it at the end of a long day murdering people. Hmm. Uh, but I prefer to think that uh, the they were actively drinking as they were firing down their muskets. I, I think uh, that was the only thing that kept them going. It was just, well, on the one hand, I'm getting rained down by like loads of um, Axis troops. But on the other hand, there's vodka in this hand and there's none uh, back in back in Russia. So why not? <laughs> and I mean, look, yeah. another, another major problem of this was if people weren't buying vodka, the sale of vodka was prohibited. At the time, the state production of vodka and sale of vodka actually resulted in 15% of the country's GDP. Jeez. So literally 15% of the money that was going to the government was produced from the sale of state vodka. So it's not enough to sort of say maybe if things had been different, if, they, if they'd given a bit more money towards peace and bread and land, then they could have solved it. No, they needed to sell the vodka. They needed to give the people vodka to try and resolve any sort of economic stability. So much like a drunken soldier, they shot themselves in the foot. Completely. It's it's one of those testaments to why, really, at the end of the day, people just could use a drink in Russia. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. <laughs> one, that also goes on to the, one of the main events itself, which was um, the famous storming of the Winter Palace. One of the main reasons that people were so eager and keen to get through the gates and get into the building was so they could get into the Tsar's wine cellar. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were told, okay, if you get in there, you can have any of the treasures, you can you can do anything you want, you can find the ministers, you can punish the people who um, have imposed all this cruelty upon you, but so many of them went straight down the stairs, straight into the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> I a... hear the Tsar's been holding on to a really great Merlot, that bastard! <laughs> it got to a stage as well, because... Um, the, the authorities of the Bolsheviks were so concerned that everything should be clean, it's all about the, the seizing of power, it's all about the taking of control, that when they found out that the, the militia had gone straight down to the cellar, they sent along some of the higher-ups, they sent along some of the commissars, who got to the wine cellar and realised, hey, this is some really good stuff, we're going to join in. <laughs> and then the word gets back to the Bolsheviks that the commissars are also joining in, so the Red Guard are sent in to go and break them up. 
And then the red guard d- get down there and say, well, red by name, red by nature, let's have a glass of it. <laughs> and then the fire brigade gets sent down. Every single service, which is under Bolshevik control, gets sent down to the wine cellar, but none come back how, up. <laughs> how big is this cellar? <laughs> it's it's a big old cellar. Who <laughs> can send in like, four reports. waves of authorities? Oh, it's... it's it's so, amazing. Yeah. And I assume they all have their fire buckets and are just sloshing water everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Another sloshing wine into their mouths by the bucket load. <laughs> they just throw all the water on the floor and fill their buckets with water. <laughs> and, and you've got to remember as well, these are people who haven't had a drink in years, so they are going to be hammered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you can imagine breaking, say, a five-year sobriety with the finest wine you can get your hands on, I think what a... <laughs> They're not just going to be hammered. They're going to be sickled. <laughs> Cha-cha-cha. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I wish the, you all in Radio thing. Land could see Max's uh, body language <laughs> that went with that joke. <laughs> I literally raised my hands in the air like I was winning a marathon. <laughs> Twisted a little bit. <laughs> gotta just gotta, gotta hurl that joke right. Just, the power comes from the hips, Jackie. <laughs> Hmm. So uh, this communist party happens. So the and, communist uh, party is well and truly in session, and <laughs> as as the kind of Keystone Cops events is happening, so everyone's piling in and in and in. The only person who can go along to break it up is Lenin himself. He. Has oh. to... <laughs> so this is a this is a man who has spent his entire life trying to fight to make a revolution happen, and then, while it's halfway there, while it's stilted because he can't get them to focus and do the rest of the job, he has to go down and be the one to break up the party. But, um, <laughs> but no one uh, recognised him. Not just because they were seeing double. No one could literally recognise who he was. They just went, who's that guy with a beard? I don't know. Some, some, <laughs> some buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's the RA's here, guy. <laughs> Guys, the RA's here. We gotta break up the party. <laughs> <laughs> and Lennon's all like, "Look, look, I'm cool." Look, you all know I'm cool, but guys, we really have to focus up. Come on, anyone? Come on, who who wants to go get a nice, a nice glass of Kool Aid? Come on, <laughs> come on, let's sober you up. Come on, who wants we, some strong coffee? <laughs> we've got to be up early to sort the new state out. No. <laughs> uh, come on, we've got to we've got to smash down some frescoes. Come on, people, a lot of work ahead, a lot of work. <laughs> Um, um, this this takes me back to a similar story of events, which um, you may remember yourself, Max, from the show that we did. Which oh yeah, was, I do. There was um, there was a genuine problem for Lenin being recognised by anyone. He was he was only known on the register of uh, of the guards in Petrograd at the time. So only the police and the military who were against him knew him. But the rest of the Bolsheviks had absolutely no idea who he was. So. Um, there's there's an amazing time on the on the eve of the revolution itself. He was in hiding and he was he was sort of sweating and twitching, fearing that no one was going to actually activate the revolution. That it had to be up to him to give the command to say, "Okay, let's do this." 
and he feared that in staying in hiding, the revolution wouldn't happen. So he broke out of hiding in a very crude disguise, which I think but, uh, was literally um, a Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah, it was a Groucho Marx disguise, and I think a hat in your in your show. That's it. and <laughs> it's really not too far removed from the truth. He had a false moustache, I think a big uh, bandage around him. Of course, of course, moustache on an already mustachioed man doesn't really do too much for him. But hey, I mean, no one's gonna no one's gonna recognize a double moustache. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. See, under that fake moustache, you have a real moustache. My mistake. Carry on. <laughs> and hmm. he he was in fact um, unlucky enough to come across some patrolling guards while he was on his way to the Bolshevik headquarters, and way within um, seconds of reaching him. And asking for his papers, which would have blown the entire revolution. It would have... The the arrest of the leader would have got everyone to halt and regroup and think about the course of action. So he did the wonderful thing of pretending to be a harmless old drunk. He, he went up to them going, Hey guys! Hey guys! How are we doing? We having a good night? We having fun? And the troops were so put off by this display, they thought, oh no, let's just leave him alone, we don't want to get to know this guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, having successfully thrown off the guards, he gets to the Bolshevik headquarters and is stopped by what's basically a young intern on the door and told that he doesn't recognise him, he's never heard of a Lenin. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 the head of, I'm the head of the Bolsheviks, no, you're thinking of Trotsky, no, I'm thinking of me, I'm Lenin, never heard of a Lenin, mate. <laughs> Uh, sure, sure, you're the head of the Bolsheviks. Go home and sleep it off, you lush. First, tell us where you got this alcohol. <laughs> yeah. There's more, oh, you oh. say? <laughs> A wine cellar, you say? This might be the kick in the pants we need. <laughs> uh, sorry, kick in the trousers for uh, any British listeners. That's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, a kick in the undercrackers wouldn't be too good, but hey, but, hey <laughs> um, Yeah, so he finally manages to convince this young, um, spotty, teenage, acne guy. You know the guy for Simpsons. It's basically him outside the door saying, oh, you need a pass? <laughs> he finally makes his way in to see Trotsky and berates him and says, what's happening? Is the revolution going ahead? I'm, I'm so glad I came in time. And Trotsky stops him and says... Yes, the revolution was always going to happen. We planned this ages ago. What are you doing? You could have been caught. <laughs> <laughs> so after all this hassle, he gets there to find that it was a wasted journey and he put the entire thing in jeopardy because he was so paranoid. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I've done a little research on that since I saw your play, and I'm not sure exactly how this fits in, but I know his wife wanted him to stop wearing disguise. Cause she and stop going out because she was worried he would talk in his sleep about the revolution and blow his cover. Pretty much, he he was <laughs> he was notoriously bad sleeper. He just really had a lot on his mind, I assume. And so, would he just fall asleep during the day in public in his disguise, or was he going on like multi-night trips where he would? So I don't know how it fits in. I only know what uh, what Kate has told me. Uh, corner historian Kate, not here today. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, what Kate's told me about this. She is currently really big into the Soviet Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution. So she's been, like, passing me a bunch of tidbits. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the point of, um, of him then getting to see Trotsky is that, um, then finding out that the revolution was underway, 
they were both so exhausted from a couple of days of intensive planning that they they had no other option and this was in the middle of an office headquarters but the pair slept together under a rug on the floor as the entire revolution was underway so (laughs) the night before they had supreme power over one of the biggest empires in the world at the time was spent quite literally under the rug as a pair snuggled together like a couple of kittens (laughs) (laughs) guy ever going to stop talking? (laughs) (laughs) And, and yeah, these these two guys were, they were basically a a sort of odd couple comedy. Lenin was a complete and utter, if I said the words fuddy-duddy, would that mean anything? Or is that a really odd British anachronism? Uh, In in America, we call it a wimadoo. A wimadoo. That's not true. That's That's, not true. He's lying to me. (laughs) Oh, guys, I almost had him for a second. <laughs> I, I think I think that's wrong with it. He was a complete. What do you limited. take him for? A tracker back? <laughs> that's what he meant by Wimadu. Yeah. Shh, don't let the Slamadam hear you. <laughs> that means British. <laughs> it was popularized during the revolution. Uh, so called for the sound that redcoats made when they fell down in good, honest American mud. Slamadam. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most elaborate slip and fall. <laughs> it's like you fall, then you flop around a little bit, <laughs> then you slide. We have to remember they were marching in rank, so if one of them <coughs> fell down, they all did, like a row of dominoes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stupid slam it down. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more like an instruction. One's down, slam it down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fire and kill it until you see the watch of the slam it <laughs> The Slamadams are coming. The Slamadams. <laughs> One if by land, two if by Slamadam. <laughs> They're just riding on each other. <laughs> it's like an acrobat boat. <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of ants twisted into a raft. Uh. <sighs> so we've gotten off track. <laughs> we've gotten mu- way off track. Last we left, Lennon and Trotsky were cuddled together under a rug. Mm. While the revolution of their dreams happened. Lenin's a fuddy-duddy. Trotsky's a cool guy who skateboards and smokes cigarettes. That's that's pretty much it. He was he was known as the hot young guy of the revolution. He was um he was an amazing speaker. He was like blisteringly arrogant. If he was ever in a meeting that he disagreed with, he'd sit with his feet up on the desk reading French uh, novels because French novels are always cool and risque, you know. <laughs> I think that's what the youth are reading these days. <laughs> oh. uh, one thing I know about kids is they love the Three Musketeers. <laughs> Dumas, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> More like Man in the Iron Ass. <laughs> and, um, yeah. in, in stark contrast to that, there was once um, once an occasion where Lenin was invited to a conference he disagreed with. And he made a point of appearing at it, but just sitting outside playing with the hotel dog's owners to show his disgust. Wait, the hotel <laughs> dog's owners? So not the yeah, dogs? He, yeah, not he was. The, um, they were at a hotel, the, and the hotel <laughs> owner had a lot of dogs, and he said, I'm here, but I don't want to be here, so I'm just going to play with dogs instead. Oh, God, <laughs> okay. the way I heard it first, it sounded like there were some dogs there at the hotel who had owners that, that Lennon started to play with. Take me to your masters. They seem cool. <laughs> hey, you want to play some stickball? I'm not a dog person, but I like dog people. <laughs> 
it's 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 effectively like the guy the guy who's sort of in the at the party smoking a cigarette doing a headstand in Trotsky with his French literature, and then the one guy at the party he just make friends with the cat, like the the pet, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've yeah. been the Lennon at a party. Yeah, we've we've all been the Lennon at a party. <laughs> <laughs> Telling people to stop drinking and playing mm. with the pets. Starting uprisings against the dominant governments. Wearing disguises that don't really work. Having two mustaches one over the other. Uh, he's he's everything we, we want to be, but we recognize in ourselves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and part uh. of the problem of... Um, Trotsky being so so sort of cool and um, attractive is that it meant that he was naturally favored as being a leader of um, of the future USSR. Lenin Lenin actually wanted Trotsky to be the head of of Russia at the time. So it, you're looking at a very different prospect. He asked him several times, "Will you please take over? I don't think I'm cut out for this. I prefer playing with dogs rather than <laughs> taking control of an empire that I don't know what I'm doing with." But quite sadly, this is this is a moment of uh, some sobriety and so yeah, and somberness. Uh, Trotsky had to refuse, as he he knew that he was ethnically Jewish, and in Russia at the time, it would have been such a a bad PR move to have a Jew at the head of the country that they couldn't do it to the revolution. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they they were unwilling to put the revolution in danger because. It would confirm all the prejudice that they were just a bunch of intellectual um, Jewish Marxists. Once again, racism and anti-Semitism ruin the day. Yeah, so I think it would have been quite good. I think you know you want you want a sort of president who um, who reads French literature and scorn rather than tweets that um, <laughs> his people <laughs> is fat and stupid and short. I'm so sorry, I heard about him. You heard about you? You've heard some rumors, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, whispers get through, you know. This this does take me on to the point that at the time, a lot of Russia was very, very poorly educated, and and uh, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say backwards, but I can't really think of one. So they they were very uninformed about um, various situations. Like I, I can't really go on without mentioning Rasputin. Like this was a man who people legitimately believed was a wizard who was controlling the royal family like a puppet master. This is. This is not an educated nation. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's hugely spread out. A lot of farming, and, and the thing about the thing about uh, about what's the word I'm looking for serfdom is that it doesn't leave you a lot of time for uh, intellectual pursuits, unfortunately, because it's designed not to. It's designed to keep you so crushed down by having to survive and work for uh, the people who literally own you that you can't think of revolution. Yeah, yeah it's sad. One of the amazing points of um, of uh, class clash that I was discussing earlier, there, there were various instances of this, and one of the most profound was um, the the revolutionaries who arrested the provisional government ministers were completely unable to read or write, but they knew that they wanted to do things by the book to be the legitimate new government, so they had to force the ministers to write their own arrest warrants. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oof, that is dark. They literally got a piece of paper and said, we, we know you need to arrest to be arrested, but we can't write the warrants. Can you please do this for us and we'll treat you a bit more humanely if you do. And did they? 
they they did to their credit they they wrote out as legitimate um arrest warrants as they they could manage as members of um as ministers of a government they weren't too familiar with them but they said i think this seems right yeah I have committed the acts of treason against the Russian state, and I am a bad man. <laughs> Punishment will include and be up to community service. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, limp slap on the wrist. <laughs> <laughs> a day in a public square inside one of those wrist thingies. Nice. You know, stocks. That's the one. <laughs> with up to one rotten tomato being thrown at me. <laughs> there, I think that's pretty bad, don't you? <laughs> yeah, does this look good to you? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, it, it it so I'm sort of getting to the I I can take questions and things about this. I I love this subject, but one of the things I do want to sort of stress about the October events is how relatively bloodless it was in comparison to the February Revolution. There was very few people who actually lost their lives as a result of it. There was one soldier who accidentally shot himself checking whether or not he had a cartridge in his rifle and looked down the barrel and fired at himself. Oh, 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 like in a Looney Tunes cartoon, yeah. but in, sadder because he died. That's it. There wasn't a sort of um, like black puff of smoke circling his face as he went. What? 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 Oh. He just is like coughing. He's like, <coughs> <coughs> and someone runs up to him. It's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? <coughs> Rabbit season. <laughs> <laughs> this poor fool doesn't he know it's duck season? <laughs> and um. There, there was more actual bloodshed um, in in the recreation of the events of the October Revolution for um, Sergei Eisenstein's film adaptation of of the events. There was um, thirty people who were accidentally crushed to death in reshooting the storming of the Winter Palace. Oh my god! Which Oof. is approximately twenty three more than actually died in the real storming of the actual Winter Palace. It's terrible. It's awful. It's insane. I mean, martyrs for the arts, in a very poor taste expression, but... You know, out of respect for the dead, I won't make the portmanteau that's obvious to everyone here. Oh, please do. Okay, fine. It's Oh, such a uh, twist in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> so they were archers. Mm. Yeah. Martyr yeah. for the arts. Yeah, it wasn't even good enough. You know, it was very obvious right there. <laughs> And as... <laughs> yeah, so this this lack of blood is actually why I didn't end up doing my report on this. You wanted a bloodier revolution? Yeah, yeah. High school Jackie wanted, wanted a bloody revolution to write about. You know, Jackie, one of the things I've always noticed about you is you're surprisingly bloodthirsty. <laughs> Noel is just nodding, nodding, nodding his head, smiling, nodding, looking a little sadder, crying a single tear... <laughs> <laughs> Covering his scabs. <laughs> <clears throat> so you're saying? Oh yes. Um, and and one of the ma- the amazing things about the actual day of the revolution of the storming of the Winter Palace, the taking over of control, is that no one in Petrograd, bar the actual participants, knew it was happening. Which is pretty astonishing. They saw the same military um, road checks and patrols that they'd always had. But the cafes were open, the theatres, thankfully, were still playing their shows, 
public transport was working. No one knew it was happening until ten years down the line under Stalin, they went, hey, we live under communism now. That's amazing. (laughs) Hey, did did you know I went down to the square day and someone told me we're living under communism and have been for ten years. (laughs) I never knew. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that explains why all the flags changed colors, but I just figured it was a new flag design. Yeah. It was it was a completely anonymous thing. No one no one knew it was happening. Noel, you had a thing. I saw it. I saw it in your eyes. Just be like, I just you know, it's like I know I'm illiterate, and I thought it might have expanded to flags as well. <laughs> I couldn't tell when they've changed. I don't want to say anything and sound like an idiot. Uh. So that, that is basically it. I I think on that note, I would say. Always be on the lookout because you never know what's happening under the radar right now as we speak. You never know what's going on under the surface, which one day is going to result in people going, oh, wow, look at that. God, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for uh, another Bolshevik revolution. Huh? I mean, not with the same results, you know, long term. I mean, just, you know, I'd I'm... like it. I'd like to not die in a nuclear war, please. <laughs> That's I true, but I don't, that. <laughs> I don't want, like, something in the shadows happening mm. yeah yeah you want it happening in the full light of day yeah non-bloody in the light of day i was gonna say the mole people from our previous episode oh. <laughs> rising out of their shadowy mole places you know we we fall back on mole people a lot in these goofs and i gotta say i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean look they've already got control of most of our bunkers yeah you know they just need to rise up out of them with their luxury soaps and mole hitos and honestly, I feel like we'd welcome them with open arms. I don't think we would. I don't think, so <laughs> I don't think we would at all. <laughs> you don't want to hug a mole person? I. Not off the bat. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't hug a lot of strangers off the bat. Like, I. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. No, I'm not too. Yeah. Big of a just a, of a hugger. So. That's fair. <laughs> I uh, I'm a big hugger, so I probably would have gone for it. But uh, you know. I guess I guess I'm just special that way. I think I'm um, a small person. I think I'd say, "How are you doing? Do you need a hug? Do you want a hug?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I <also> didn't <laughs> specify that the mole up, mole people uprising would be peaceful. So <laughs> you should just watch yourself very closely. <laughs> they got those long digging claws that <laughs> once you go in for that hug, they have just uh, <laughs> got you right where they want you. Like a grub. Moles eat grubs, no. If you had an entire palace to yourself to, like, rummage through, Mm. would you have wound up in the cellar as well? I think probably via the art art galleries and then rounded off in the cellar till till the next morning, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what if you ended up just trying to give the people in the in the in the paintings a little drink of wine you know they look lonely <laughs> by that time you'd probably be too drunk not to not to realize how bad an idea is <laughs> I'm surprised no one uh, made a uh, one of the busts of the palace into a bong or something <laughs> are they usually hollow? no it's taking a lot of work but... I mean like when you're partying that hard you... <laughs> you will buckle down for hours to hollow out a stone yeah, I think it bus. would be a lot easier to use like a like a wine bo- like a glass like bottle like a vase mm, oh. like a fancy vase <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's smoking out of heads of state or nothing. A Fabergé egg. <laughs> well, no, you want to you want to save that for breakfast because whatever's in that egg, whatever's in an egg that fancy has to be delicious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're empty. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What? Yeah. They're but Fabergés lay them. Fab, where do Fabergés come from? Fabergés. Age old question. Hmm? Fabergés. <laughs> yes. Did you hear him? Fabergés. Fabergés. <laughs> <laughs> Which came first, the Fabergé hen or the Fabergé? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> if you had to snuggle under a rug mm-hmm. with a revolutionary, mm-hmm. who would you choose? Trotsky, hundred percent. Um, well, first of all, we look startlingly similar. Second of all, <laughs> do you? I've been compared. I've I when I when I hair is short and very curly, I've been compared to uh, a young Trotsky, oh. which I'm not sure how I feel about. When my phone finishes charging, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got. I can do a side by side. I'll now. I'll have to show you a picture of me with my hair short because you have never seen me with my hair short. Yeah. Um, For our listeners out there. Walking back. Uh, Are you walking back his words? For our listeners out there, Max has um, slightly longer than shoulder length, curly locks, Mm -hmm. and a dark beard. I'm a beautiful man, listeners. Uh, Yeah, Uh, as as yeah, as you should know by now if you've looked at my Twitter profile. Um, No, you're lucky I don't get service in here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I feel like you know it'd be a good look. We could start a modeling company. Uh, We'd have a lot of stuff to to say. Some really great bon mots. (laughs) About the Three Musketeers, which I will pretend to have read because I've seen the films, mm-hmm. and not the new Disney films, the old '70s films that were actually based on the books. Mm. Yeah. All right, wait. We've got young Trotsky pictures here. Ooh, ooh. I think I need to see uh, Max with short hair before There's I. There's a picture of me on my Facebook with short hair. I'm uh, go through all that right now. Okay. All right. All right. We'll Listeners, we'll, next episode. We'll next let episode, you know. we'll get back to you on this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, how about you, Matt? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's probably one of the Cuban ones. I feel like it's Castro or Shay. I feel like Castro's probably a cuddler, and yeah, Shay's just a bit dishy, isn't he? <laughs> Got a lot of good angles, Shay. Plus, he's a doctor, and you know, you could do worse than a doctor, Matt. Does at your time mean, of life. Does dishy mean cute? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a dish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, I'm I'm googling young Trotsky now, and this picture's coming of young Stalin. He he was all right, wasn't he? Yeah, I, <laughs> not, not I know right somebody as a guy, but as a... <laughs> like in terms of the way he looked, yeah. Um, I know that. Uh, oh, he's I, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel I like his looks really coming into vogue at the moment. Oh yeah, Stalin was a real primo fuckboy, and you can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's like a good transition line. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of no, no, not speaking of primo fuck boys. Um, not transition. I guess stopping. <laughs> stopping. That's, we get to say that's who I'd snuggle. What oh, revolutionaries we'd snuggle with? Who would you snuggle with? No, thinking about it. Okay. Gosh. All right, yeah. George Washington, Valley Forge. Because <laughs> he's Keep a each other warm at night. He's a winner. He looks great in a wig, and he and he's never let not having his own teeth slow him down. <laughs> Oh yeah, then I could see his bedtime ritual too. Yeah, his bed- what did he do with those? Yeah, you could see his pieces of wood. You could see his night teeth. Ooh. Um, fun fact: oh. it's actually apocryphal. Uh, George Washington did not have wooden teeth. He had a couple human teeth yeah. and some stone teeth. Yeah, they were horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw his his spare set on display at Mount Mount Vernon. 
That sounds right. I'm blanking on his name right now, but um, the the band who led the Haitian Revolution. Mm. Hold on, I'll I'll Google it real quick. Um, it sounds French. Uh, Toussaint Louverture, <laughs> or Jean-Jacques Dessalines. I'm thinking of Toussaint. Toussaint. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he knows how to wear a uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good look. So now that we've all answered some burning questions. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've got one for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Wait, so you said you would pick Trotsky. Yes. Because Trotsky kind of looks like you. Yeah. So you're picking someone purely to snuggle under a rug with that looks like you? Yeah. Okay. Just checking <laughs> them on that. But then they can be body doubles when they become friends. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, I have to go to another party, but I'm out of French novels. Mm-hmm. And then Max says, oh, I'll, I'll go. I, I still haven't read uh, some of uh, Man in the Iron Mask. No problem, no problem. Uh, plus, we can prince and popper it. Um, we could, uh, you know, swap clothes. I'm sure he'd look good in my clothes. I would look good in his, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and we can trade fashion tips because we have the same look. We know it looks good on us. And let's be frank here. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Also, just imagining an extension of that age-old like TV trope where you ask like two people out to like the mm-hmm. same dance, mm-hmm. but in your case with the body double, is you wind up asking four people out to the same <laughs> dance and try to manage that whole thing. Mm. I like that. That's where you went with it. Uh, beautiful. So the children's crusade. Uh, also, I just want to sidebar. I love that none of our questions were about actual logistics of the revolution. <laughs> We know what we came for. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've heard the disclaimer at the beginning of our episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, the Crusades, as we all know, were attempts by the Catholic Church to conquer Jerusalem and take it from the Muslims who lived there at the time. Uh, they were church-sanctioned wars where legions of knights and soldiers were sent in its name. Easy, right? Cool. The Children's Crusades, however, were not sanctioned by the Church... They were peasant-led and inspired by church-sanctioned missions, but at no point did they get official approval. There were actually two crusades. There was the German Children's Crusade and the French one. Uh, We'll start with the German one because it's a lot less sad. Uh, And for some reason, I've decided I want to end on a sad note. (laughs) Uh, So in Germany... Too many French novels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in Germany, uh, a boy called Nicholas, who was a shepherd from the Rhineland showed up one day at the Shrine of Three Kings in Cologne. Uh, He declared that adults have had their chance conquering the Holy Land. It's time for kids. It's a kids-only conquering of the Holy Land. Oh, it's like a 90s movie. Yeah, no, he said it was because their hearts were pure, and he believed that they could just march into Jerusalem and just preach at the people who lived there and convert them to Christianity because they were just, you know, pure-hearted children. It's like the kids' bop version of the Crusades, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. they get rid of all the questionable adult lyrics. Exactly, it's <laughs> it's the it's it the kind of reads like Footloose. <laughs> it's the Care Bear version of the Crusades. You know, it's uh, it's with the power of friendship winning over uh, the Holy Lands. Um, so he he was a kid, so he was a little vague on how they would actually like get there. <laughs> um, so he said they would march to the sea which would then dry up to let them pass. Of course. Because that happened already. Yeah, yeah, it already happened in the Bible. Yeah. That's all you need. One time. Precedent. Yep. Um, so after a few weeks, he gathered a pretty sizable contingent of kids, mostly peasant boys, but with a number of girls as well, and even some noble children. And as with any army, a number of camp followers as well. Uh, which is to say vagabonds and prostitutes. 
Um, yeah, that was going to be my question. Yep. <laughs> like, what children are going to prostitutes? Noble ones. Really? I That is, in all the accounts I read, they do not mention the prostitutes any further. <laughs> Just that they were there, and they were following them, hopefully at a discreet distance, but no, no, who's to say? Okay. Um... So they split into two groups uh, and took different roads through Switzerland. Wait, why are they going to Switzerland? Through Switzerland oh. to get to the sea from Germany to get to Jerusalem. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in this journey with these two these two groups, uh, two out of every three people died, oh. uh, and some just went home in despair. But about seven thousand uh, ended up arriving in Genoa in late August. Wow. Yeah. They got a big group of people. Yeah, they eat. You know, a lot of kids just like walked off the farm and were like, yeah, that sounds better than being a farmer. Being a hero. Sure. Um, so they arrived in Genoa and immediately marched to the harbor, uh, expecting to see the sea divide before them. And when it did not, they mostly turned on Nicholas, accusing him of betraying them. Those ones who did turned around and went home. Uh, others settled down to wait for God to change his mind. Uh, they believed it was unthinkable he would not eventually do so. The Genoese authorities were kind of impressed by the little band's pep and vim, and they said they could have a whole day to, to wait for God to open the seas before they started arresting them. <laughs> <laughs> or, if they wanted to stay longer, they could become Genoese citizens and stay there forever. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, most of the would-be crusaders decided, hey, that's a pretty good deal, I'll stay in Genoa. It means I, it's a big city, I came from a farm, this seems like trading up. Plus, I'm the one in three who didn't die on the way here. I've, I've, I'm a lucky kid. <laughs> Nicholas, however, refused to admit defeat and traveled to Pisa with the remains of his followers. Most of his followers, which most that of them, was the wrong, the wrong term. <laughs> the <laughs> remaining, followers. the remaining followers. He wasn't just marching with a bunch of child corpses. <laughs> uh, oof, doofa. Um. So he and eventually he and a few loyal followers got to the Papal States where they met Pope Innocent III and who told them to go home to their families and said he would not sanction this crusade. That was smart. And so they turned around and went home to Germany. Nicholas did not survive the trip back and his father was arrested and hanged under pressure from angry families whose relatives had perished with Nicholas's crusade. And this is the happy one? This is the happy one. Yeah. Because of the 21,000, only 14,000 died. And only... You. Yeah. And some of them made it home or became citizens of a, of a nice city-state. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 33% good <laughs> came out of this story makes it the happy story. Yep. <laughs> Woo. Yep. Buckle in. Here comes the French cr- Children's Crusade. <laughs> what what is it, Jackie? Did these spontaneously generate separately? Epi- separately. So there's some speculation that they heard about each other and decided that they were going to do this mm-hmm. uh, from kids splitting off and like getting lost on their way home. Uh, but I can't imagine which. Uh... Wait, on their way home from abandoning this, or on their way to the crusade? Okay. Yeah, but which came first, the French or the German? Hard to say. We do know that the French Crusade started in May of 1212, when a young boy named Stephen of Cloyes 
showed up at the court of King Philip in St. Denis. St. Denis? I don't know how it's pronounced. I've only seen it written down. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you've been to the continent. I, I have. I believe it's uh, Denis. Ah, St. Denis. Uh, he had a letter that he said was for the king, which he claimed to have been given by Jesus Christ in person, Ooh. saying that Jesus had appeared to him while he was ten- tending his sheep and told him to gather a crusade. Did Jesus make him write it himself? It's not clear. I think Jesus wrote it and gave it to him, according to Stephen. The, the king did not believe him and told him to go home. I'm glad there's, like, authority figures saying rational things in mm-hmm. this story. If only they listened. <laughs> Stephen truly believed he'd been visited by God, and he decided he would, had been chosen to gather a crusade by himself. So he wandered across the countryside preaching his ideas to anyone who would listen. And towards the end of June, several thousand, some say as many as 30,000, but, uh, you know... Accounts of the time. They didn't take an accurate headcount of thousands of children. Uh, had gathered in Vendome. Uh, gathered from all parts of the country. Some of them were peasants, whose parents had, in many cases, let willingly let them go on their great mission. Because, hey, loot, glory, God, all Too many stuff. children. Way too many children. Let's be honest here. But there were also boys of noble birth who had slipped away from home to join Stephen and his following of minor prophets, as the chroniclers called them. There were also girls amongst them, a few young priests, and a few older pilgrims. So they had a pretty good good range of people. And then, you know, the attendants and the prostitutes. Well, those aren't mentioned in this account. But... I like how they called them the minor prophets, since yeah. that's already one phrase, and now it just has two meanings. Well, apparently a, a good number of them claimed to have superpowers from God. Huh. Um, that must have come in Yeah, yeah must, uh, you'd think, wouldn't you? Uh, according to some tales, they, like, went around performing some minor miracles, like curing curing people of disease and doing various small goods and things. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. I'd be more likely to join a, mm-hmm. a band that had a miracle-performing children. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like the, the great opening to everyone's favorite comic book series, The X-Men. Or Umbrella Academy. Or Midnight's Children. Or, uh... Footloose. Footloose. Thank you, Noel. <laughs> uh, so they started out southward, and nearly all of them went on foot. But uh, Stephen, good old Stevie boy, he got to ride in a brightly decorated cart Ooh. with all of his noble boy, noble boy friends riding on horses beside him. Uh, he was treated like a saint, and people would like come like snip off his hair and parts of his clothes as like relics. This little boy was traveling in a cart with people who was coming to his location, just cutting his, cutting his hair and selling it to raise money for this crusade. You know what the best part about the good times are? They never end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and this next paragraph immediately, immediately disproves that, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> How bad could it be? Oh. <laughs> so the pilgrims depended on charity for their food. You know, they ride on people like giving them food and begging for it because, you know, they're kids. Who's going to let a kid go hungry? Well, it turns out that summer there was a big drought, and food and water were scarce. So a lot of those kids starved to death. Great. Listeners at home, you can't see it, but I'm trying to make this jolly with hand gestures and voice acting. It is not... Or Stephen was fine. Stephen Stephen was fine at this point. thankfully. Uh, So eventually they reached Marseille, where they also expected the sea to part before them. This being the apparently uh, popular way, to, popular way for child, for boy prophets to tell people they cross the sea. All those just take large boats with trained <laughs> sailors across the sea. Uh, 
you know, it's funny you should say that. When the sea did not part, they stayed by the seaside, expecting God to part it. They were just like, oh, we just got here early. We'll, we'll chill out here. It's a sea. We'll make sandcastles. After a few days, a couple of merchants in Marseille, who, according to the accounts I read, were called Hugh the Iron and William the Pig. Sound like trustworthy people. <clears throat> this <clears throat> word is ironclad. Ah, oof. So Pig they... iron. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So they offered to put to take them to Palestine, and they hired seven boats to take these kids to Palestine, uh, out of the goodness of their hearts. How generous of them. Oh. So some of the boats ran into a terrible storm, and two of them sank. So right off the bat, not great. Of the surviving five, it's not entirely tracked what happened. But the next time these any of these children are seen are, in some accounts, 18 years later when they're found as slaves in various parts of the world. Oh. Yeah. And apparently the children who didn't get on boats resorted to begging for food on their long journey home. Hmm. Well, these kids were, were going to... Was it supposed to be the purity of their hearts would just let the Muslims give them... Oh, so or I were for, they going to murder I for, people? I forgot were they to going mention, to actually I forgot fight? To mention, yes, this crusade was a killing crusade. Stephen oh. was like, these kids, we're going to fucking murder some people. They're not going to see it coming. We're children. Mm-hmm. Just like Galahad in the stories, our hearts are pure, so we're, we're going to fight with the glory of God and murder people. Okay, so this, this mitigates my sympathy. These kids kind of had it coming. I mean, they're still, you know, young and impressionable, mm-hmm. I suppose. Someone could have steered them in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But, um... There, there was no, like, sympathies street are mitigated. There was no, like, there was no other hobbies. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of, yeah, there weren't a lot of healthy ways for children to spend their time in those days. No, uh, big brother, big sister program. Nope. <laughs> no uh, mentorship. No video games for them to get all their bloodlust out on. <laughs> uh, no. Just crusades. You know, hey, 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 Timmy, wanna, wanna, you bored with your farming? Hey, wanna go kill some people? Boy, do I! Oh, I've made myself sad again. I don't know how to feel about this. So there story. is some good news. A uh, study published in 1977 casts doubt on the existence of these events, and many historians now believe that they were not primarily children, but multiple bands of wandering poor in Germany and France. Uh, I guess that makes me feel a little better, but... Yep. Uh, so, you know, I got to this point in my research of the story, and I found it's a lot of it's ap- ap- apocryphal about it being kids, but it is still pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And apparently it's called the Children's Crusade because they were as children before God or something like that. Um... Yeah, or, like, they believed that their purity would let them reach it, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's been passed down through the years so much that it's become a part of accepted history and has influenced several other crusades, including both Shepherds' Crusades and um, another crusade, and one called, crusade called the Crusade of the Poor, all of, were, all, all of which were also unsanctioned crusades. They were all murder crusades? Well, all crusades are murder crusades except for one, Jackie. Except for one. 
Which one? The, uh, the German German Children's Crusade was a non-murder crusade. They weren't going to murder? No, the German ones were, they were going to convert them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so true sympathy for them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, you know, they also had a happier ending, kind of. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. A happier ending <laughs> where two-thirds of them died. But one-third got to be citizens of the upcoming new city-state, Genoa. Oh, yes. That was pretty cool, the uh, Genoa... Uh, I don't know if it would be mo- military or police or... Government? Government. Yeah. Just government. That they didn't uh, arrest them. <laughs> they were just <laughs> let them camp out. All these German children just show up one day. <laughs> Each one dragging two skeletons behind them. <laughs> oh. right, well, we need a, we need bone meal for our roses. Uh, tulips are up and coming, I hear, in another five centuries. So, how would you lead a crusade? Oh, I would 100% have my own cart. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know if I could pull off charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. A um, more bloodthirsty despot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I'd maybe talk a big talk, but then not uh, not follow through. Cool. Be like, come on, guys, let's all go on a crusade. And then, like the next morning, when everyone's gathered, like, yeah, we're going on a crusade. You're like, oh, I, I have an appointment. Uh, so sorry. I was I was pretty drunk last night. You shouldn't have listened to me. I will catch the next dried up sea. I think I would want like because this just sounds like all the kids just like not listening to the adults and you know kind of trying to go their own way just reminds me of so many like TV shows and movies I would have seen as a kid like in the 90s that I would really want my revolution to be like the same thing where I show up and try to convince the adults mm-hmm. like to convert and when they don't I pull a giant sl- uh, lever and a bunch of slime just falls <laughs> on them and you got slime <laughs> <laughs> and then I would probably be promptly executed uh, lead the Muslims to Christianity through slime <laughs> such a weird baptism ritual <laughs> yeah I don't like it uh <laughs> Uh, I would launch a crusade uh, not for the Holy Land, but for the McRib to destroy it and by wipe it. it. Yeah, by eating it. I'd go down to, to McDonald's and eat a McRib. <laughs> Do they still have McRib? Sometimes. What? Yeah. What is this? Sometimes is it a regional thing? The whole the thing? whole idea behind a McRib is that it's cre- it's it's created scarcity. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so it creates an artificial craze every time it's quote reintroduced mm. for a brief time. Yeah, it's pretty manipulative on McDonald's part, which is why I choose to destroy it. <laughs> Next time that's around, you want to destroy some together? <laughs> yeah, man. Let's, let's go destroy some McRibs. But you can't pay for it, or else you're you're buying into their thing. You're right. Let's storm a McDonald's. Let's cut off the head of Grimace. <laughs> Which, we'll have to figure out where that is, because it's kind of a gradient and not so much a neck. I think he's just one giant head with so, legs on the bottom. So cut off his legs? I guess. And oh. then one of you is just looking at the ketchup packet, being like, why won't this squirt? And then you squirt <laughs> yourself in the face, and you're the only casualty of the storming <laughs> of McDonald's. Well, we'd still, if even if one of us died with a ketchup packet in the face, we'd still be at 50%. Survival so. better than any previous children's crusade. Just blew Germany away. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still worse than the recreation of the Bolshevik Revolution. That's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can't win them all. 
Yeah. <laughs> Matt, how would you crusade? How how you crusade, Matt? I don't know. I I think it's coming back to it's coming back to mole people. I think I I'd I'd crusade to make friends with mole people and bring them up. To be honest. <laughs> so a downwards crusade. Yeah, a, a downwards then upwards crusade, like a sort of yo-yo crusade. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what it came to be called, the <laughs> Yo-Yo Crusade. <laughs> yeah, give them, give them a good hug, bring them on up, and yeah, let them know. Show them look. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'd, yeah. I'd be the German, the German kids' crusade, I think. It's the, <laughs> through the goodness of our character, we too can convert the mole people to surface dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ground will part before us by the glory of God, and <laughs> not shovels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, it's uh, it's everyone's favorite uh, segment. What if they met? What if they met? What? What if they met? They never met, but they could have met, or could they? No, separated in time and place. They would never have met, but we would like to ask, what if they met? Maybe this would have happened. What if they met? So who wants to start us off? So, I don't know. What do you think would happen if a group of thousands of children ran across a group of 80,000 Chinese pirates? <laughs> <laughs> they put the ugly ones back? Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's hard to say that a child is ugly, but uh, in this case, you know, I feel like probably necessary. You're going to get some ugly kids in a batch of 30,000. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Those kids with acne would feel super smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe they could become um, Cantonese citizens when they get sent back to shore. Mm. Probably would have turned out better for them, actually. Yeah. You know, honestly, with the ratio of how many of those pirates survived to how many of those kids survived, they're playing good odds. Yeah, actually, it sounds like a much better uh, much better outcome. Did we just solve orphans? <laughs> Give them to pirates. <laughs> 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 Good, problem solved. Check that one off the old, check that box right there. Uh. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by the two leaders. I think Lenin and the sassy pirate, I think, would have a lot of good conversations. The wife of Cheng and Lenin, mm. I think, mm. yeah. D- d- very different management styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So know, what do you one, do when people betray you? Of communism and shared uh, values, and then the other actually like does it in, in <laughs> pirate sense. <laughs> well, I don't know if they actually. So they had to report and give all their loot to uh, Cheng Ai Sao, mm-hmm. but I never read anything about how she divvied it up. Okay, so maybe a lot more in common than it seems with Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> So who knows if she kept a larger pot for herself, or if it was divided equally, mm-hmm. or based on who brought in the most. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like their uh, their discipline styles would mesh pretty well. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek beheaded people when they betrayed her. Uh, Lenin beheaded people before they betrayed him. <laughs> Much more of fun of the uh, preemptive punishment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I could wait for proof or not. <laughs> I'm such a busy man. <laughs> so maybe those 126 uh, executed sailors were just those kind of nosy interns who <laughs> would just be like, 
Are you sh- I haven't heard of you. Are you sure you're the leader of all these pirates? <laughs> I've never actually seen Ching Shi. I'm an intern, so I'm a pretty big deal around here. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to talk to Chang, not his wife. Is, is Mr. Chang around? Chang. <laughs> I don't, get, I don't get a share of the loot, but I'm being paid for an experience. Oh. <laughs> I'm told there are some very good wine cellars I'll have access to at some point. <laughs> oh, no. So the 121 children that they recruited became interns and were then too much trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't real sailors. They were only like on a summer three to six month sort of sailor mm-hmm. kind of ship. So yeah, to see if they wanted to do it long yeah. term, and they didn't because they got beheaded. <laughs> I think couldn't is the right word there. What? I think couldn't rather than didn't. <laughs> <laughs> One follows the other. No, one follows the other. <laughs> Oh, I would do anything to not be a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> anything. Uh, Lennon pops up. Would you overthrow a government? Would anyone notice? <laughs> what What if you threw a government out the window and no one noticed? <laughs> and then, John, then Lennon, John Lennon hears about <laughs> Dictator Lennon. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea for a song. <laughs> That'd actually be funny with the spread of information, like that kind of about the revolution. I felt like both of these children's revolutions had happened like centuries after the Crusades, and the Pope's just like, go home. We're not, no, it's, they're over. They've been over for, God, they're legends now. They're just legends. You could have taken the train. <laughs> <laughs> this is contemporary England. This is the 20th century, kids. You can just get down there. Well, I looked it up on Google and they said that they were brave knights and I wanted to convert people. <laughs> Go home! <laughs> Where'd you even get a broadsword? Two out of three of all of the children walking down got hit by these mysterious metal things zooming by at a hundred miles per hour. Those are cars! As Jackie buries her head in... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out mm. how to make... Um, the adopted son, husband. I, I feel like there's something with these these parentless children wandering around mm. and adult adoption. You're right. I'll That's... take them all. <laughs> mm. So you're saying the the pirates would have adopted and married them? Yeah, but I didn't want to say that. Yeah, I can see why. But I feel, I feel like there's something there, but I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay. Anyway, all right, I'll put it on a happy note. They adopted these children and just uh, married them for the sole purpose of finding lost homes because a lot of them were shepherds for little baby lambs getting them into a nice foster home so they adopted more lambs you mean yeah and then married 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 the the lambs to the children oh a lamb pirate would be so cute Yes! Plus, you know... A you can thousand t- times, yes! <laughs> Plus, if they lose a leg in battle, you can just eat that leg. That's delicious. Yeah. You would encourage this guy. <laughs> you have whole sails and stuff made out of wool. <laughs> they probably wouldn't go anywhere if it rained. <laughs> <And they're>... uh. <laughs> Lots of rugs to snuggle under. Yeah! Uh, it's... Uh, 
Uh, his name's All Overbeard the Pirate. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I love that. Uh, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's going to do it for us this week on Anachronismo. Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Nolan. I'm Matthew. And thank, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a review if you uh, if you like the show. It really helps us find new peepos and papos to listen to. We're also on Twitter at, at uh, Anac Podcast. That's A-N-A-C Podcast. Um, Matt, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, we, the Heretical Historians, my company, are also on Twitter and Instagram with the tag, um, at Historians Here or The Heretical Historians. Wonderful. Yeah. So get on down there and look them up. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks for joining our tales of variously piracy, revolution, and... Dead whoa. children? With dead children. I was going to say whoa. <laughs> whoa, dead children. These are just all over the room. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time here on Anachronismo. well that ends well (laughs) well one third of the time